Good morning, God's richest blessings to each and every one of you, and happy Mother's Day to all the women, all the girls that we're honoring in this place and across the nation today. We are continuing this sermon series called Timeless. And as you know, we're talking about this courageous leader of Israel named Deborah. Now, one of the reasons we're calling it Timeless is because we're uncovering timeless character traits of some of these great Old Testament characters. And as Pastor Zardi mentioned last week, God is not necessarily very interested in our comfort. Now, he wants us to be well and to be blessed, but he doesn't want us living in a comfort zone. He wants us living in a character zone. And so that's what we're uncovering during this sermon series. And as you know by now, today we're talking about this very courageous woman named Deborah. Now, uh, throughout the sermon series, we won't spend a lot of time talking through the actual stories of what happens with these people, um, mostly just about their character. But today we will spend a little bit of time because for the most part, a lot of us are not necessarily very um, uh, well understanding of Deborah's story. So let me lay it out for you for just a couple of minutes. So Deborah is a judge in the nation of Israel. God formed this people group, this nation Israel, for the specific purpose that he might use them to bring forth Messiah, that Jesus would come from this group of people. So he chose the smallest and the weakest nation, and he said, you are my people. And oh, we know through the Bible, there are ups and downs and goodness and rebellion and the whole story, but eventually Jesus comes from this people group. When God forms them, he wants to be their king. He won't allow there to be a human king because he wants the worship, he wants the praise, he wants to give direction and guidance and blessings. So he doesn't allow there to be kings. Instead, he puts in place people called judges. Now you're saying, wait a minute, I know about kings of Israel. I know about Saul and about David and about Solomon and even about a guy named Jehoshaphat, who you just heard that we'll talk about in just a few weeks. So there were kings of Israel. Well, that came about because after a while, the people of Israel and their stubbornness and foolishness shook their fist at God and said, give us a king. And eventually God relented and said, okay, if you really want a king, you can have a king. And we know about what that led to. But before that time, God allowed there to be judges. They were the administrators over the nation. And what did the judges do? They did judge stuff. She had adjudicated between warring parties. They came together, hey, we've got a dispute, and she was a judge. They also judged in administrative ways. Should I build a dam or go to war? Should we plant or should we reap? Should we uh, build a storehouse? These judges over Israel were the administrators. They were the leaders of the nation without really having a lot of power. You might know some of the judges by name. You might have heard of a guy named Samson. He was a judge. You might have heard of the name Gideon. He was a judge. And ladies, on this Mother's Day, I'm so happy to tell you that the Bible says that this one, Deborah, this woman was the greatest of all of Israel's judges, and some people call her the mother of Israel. Well, as you heard in the children's message, her best uh, military general was Barak, and he was called to fight the army of the Canaanites because the Israelites had been under um, servanthood to the Canaanites for uh, many generations. But Barak, as you heard, was afraid of fighting because of the military superiority of the Canaanites. And you heard the name Sisera. Everybody say Sisera. He's the bad guy. He's the general over the Canaanites. And the reason that Barak is afraid to go fight them is because the Bible says they have 900 ironclad chariots. Now, this would certainly give the Canaanites an amazing technical and tactical advantage. And so Barak is afraid to go. So we pick up our story for, with our scripture for this morning in Judges 4, starting in chapter, uh, uh, verse 6. Deborah sent for Barak, son of Ebenoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. And now Deborah is sharing God's words with Barak. Go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. 
Well, Barak said to, her, said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. Certainly, I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Brothers and sisters, you just heard the word of God. Let's come before him in prayer. Father in heaven, give us courage. Maybe it's the thing we most lack. We need courage before men against their threats, against their seductions. We need courage to bear unkindness, to bear mockery, contradiction. We need courage to fight against the devil, against terrors and troubles, temptations, darkness, false lights, against tears and depression, and above all, fear. We need your help, O God. Strengthen us with your love and your grace. We pray it in the everlasting and never-changing name of Jesus. And together we all say, amen. If you're following in your outline this morning, you can fill this in. Number one is that Deborah had courage because her focus was on God's deliverance. This may be the main point of the sermon, and here it is right at the beginning. She had courage because she was focusing on God's deliverance. It wasn't something that she like, developed from within herself, like she had guts within herself. She knew what God had promised. Let's look again at the text we just read. Um, Deborah calls for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Now she is sharing with Barak God's words. Go take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up Mount Tabor. God's still speaking here. I, God, will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and then look, I will give them into your hands. It's God doing it. The reason Deborah had this great depth of courage is not because she or Barak had the ability to beat these Canaanites, but because God does and because he promised to. So Deborah had this courage because her focus was on God's deliverance. On this Mother's Day, let's jump ahead to the New Testament, another amazing mother of courage, this woman Mary, the one who was the mother of our Savior, Jesus what an amazing exchange between her and the angel when she finds out that she's going to become pregnant and carry with her the Savior of the world. Well, Mary was greatly troubled. Let's stop right there. You think? She's a young girl. She's a virgin. An angel comes and says, the Holy Spirit will come on you. You'll remain a virgin, but you'll be pregnant. And oh, by the way, guess what? That baby growing inside you, that's God. <laughs> okay. Greatly troubled. We get it. By his words and wondered what kind of greeting this must be. What is he saying to her? And then the angel, who was a spokesperson for God, speaking God's words, said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. This is the beginning of hearing his promise. It's okay, Mary. God has found favor in, with you, uh, in you. He promises to be with you. And then she says, I am the Lord's servant. She responds with great courage. And her courage continues when she says, May your word or may your promise, the promise I just heard from God's messenger, the angel, be fulfilled with, uh, within me, and the angel left her. So this idea um, that Mary had courage was because of God's promise. The angel came to her and said, I will be with you. You have found favor. May your word come to fulfillment, she says, your promise. Uh, history is full of courageous women, and on this Mother's Day, let's look at a couple. Well, her name is Leanne Thiemann, Christian woman, heard the call of, call of God in her life back in the 70s to fly to Vietnam to pick up six Vietnamese orphans in 1975. The war was winding down. It seemed safe to go. Well, by the time she went, Saigon, the city in which she landed, was being bombed, so terror but Leanne Thiemann held on to courage because she kept her eyes on God's promise. And the six children that she was supposed to pick up turned into 300. 
what? I'm here to pick up six babies, 300? There's a picture of her in one of the vans with some of the kids. Babies everywhere. But terrifying. War? 300? They didn't have cribs, so they put them in boxes. That strap going across them is strapping them to the floor of an aircraft that brought them home. This woman, Leanne Thiemann, how did she have courage? How was she supposed to bring 300 babies home? She couldn't do it. God could. She trusted his promise and his provision. How many of us know that we serve a God who makes ways when there is no way? That is where our courage comes from. And Sisera, this man with 900 chariots, seems overwhelming. But Psalm 31, 24, be strong and take heart, we read. That's really nice. We hear this kind of thing in the Bible all the time. Okay, that seems nice, God. How in the world am I supposed to do that? All of you who have hope in the Lord, this is how you are strong and take heart. You believe the promises made by one who has never broken a promise. That is where we find courage. Number two this morning, Deborah had courage enough for two people. What a great story. She had courage enough for two people. Remember our story. Barack said to her, if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I'm not going. Okay, certainly I'll go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Deborah had courage enough for two people. How many of you know people who are frightened? We all do. What are we called to do? As Laura said earlier, we're to come along and to encourage them. What an interesting word to encourage, to give courage. It's got the word courage right in it. We could say to encourage means to uh, be strong or, or to give heart, to hearten. If it's like giving someone else your strength and your courage. People are afraid. I'm afraid sometimes. I get great encouragement from people who love me, who know the Lord. I pray for our daughter every morning. Many of you pray for lots of people. And one of the things I pray for her is for courage. It's hard being a young person, a Christian. Boy, the world is so upside down. The things the Bible clearly says, clearly, without dispute, are evil. The world says, these are good, let's celebrate them. And oh, by the way, for those of you who are holding to biblical standards, you're small-minded and hateful and bigots. And we have conversations, and she says, Dad, it's hard. And I pray for her generation and the generation to come to be an encourager. The only courage I have is from my eyes being on God's promise, so I share that. God's got this. It's going to be hard, I know. But stand firm in the faith. Have courage. Your eyes on the promise. So there'll be consequences for being a lover of God. Society will hate you. Encourage each other. There was another Israelite who had courage enough for all of us. Jesus courageously faced death. And he encourages us to die to self. And Jesus had enough courage for us that he would become our sin. And he says, be encouraged to repent of your sin and turn it over to me. And Jesus had courage enough to pay for our sins and to die and to rise again. So we now know that even death has been defeated. Deborah had enough courage for two people. Well, number three, Sisera. Say Sisera. His confidence was in his chariots. Oh, that looks like the world. Um, I've got enough. I can beat that guy or that gal or whatever I'm up against because my side seems to be loaded and they seem to be an underdog. And Sisera had that kind of confidence. 900 ironclad chariots, that sounds pretty good to me. 
But God says, not if I'm, if I'm not in it, this isn't going to work for you. You jump ahead to the New Testament, and Paul writes about this to Timothy. He says, command those who are rich in the present world, command those who are confident in the things they have to not be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth or these types of things, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, to trust in what God has for them, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. How many of us put our trust and confidence in things that won't last, that are shaky at best, that eventually will let us down? I came across a game show, 1958. I'm going to play a 38-second clip for you. Take it in. It's awesome. Black and white, hokey music, crazy contestants, crazy idea for the whole show. Take a look. These are $2,000 winners, John and Lorraine Burns. Yesterday, when we ran out of time, they were competing with dress designer Lucille Rivers and zoo curator Carl Koffel for a salary of $500 a day on Who Do You Trust? And now, here's the star of our show, Johnny Carson. <laughs> Oh, young Johnny Carson is the worst. That organ music and the guy with the bow tie and his wife, is, it didn't last a season. It's a horrible show. I watched some of it. Who do you trust? Let's play that game to this morning here in this place. We're not going to call it Who Do You Trust. It's a much worse name for a game show, but much better for us. Who do you trust in to bring you complete fulfillment? Or in what do you have your ultimate confidence? In other words, if everything is wiped away, what's the one thing that you must have? that you have your trust and your hope. As long as I've got this, I'm good. Your money? Our government? Thank God we've got a great American military. Thank you, Lord. But do you put your trust in that? That'll keep us safe. Your spouse, your children, those are good things. But are they your ultimate thing? Your wealth, your health, your wisdom, your academic degrees, the fact that you fancy yourself a pretty smart person, your own goodness? Your political leaders, your political party, your political philosophy, your political passions, as long as those things win, I'm good. Sisera had trust in those types of things, and he was defeated. Psalm 27, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, some trust in the things of the world, but not us. The people of God, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. It, that is in what we take our courage. Well, number four, the godly leadership of Deborah, including her courage, brought Israel peace for a generation. It's a really long, um, wordy point, I know, but I had to include all that because the Bible doesn't say it was her courage which brought about peace, so we have to be accurate to this text. It was all of her character, including courage, which we're talking about today, which brought peace. Judges 5.31, the land had peace for 40 years. Chase the things of God can be hard. Have courage, but in that you will find ultimate peace. I have a um, quote from a Christian leader. I won't call them out by name, but they write this. I spent years doing life my own way, not really following God. At the time, I thought I would, it would make me happy to do everything I wanted to do. On the surface, that sounds pretty good. I think I'll be happy if I just do what I want. But the fact is I was miserable. You see, if, it were not, if I were not following God's plan for my life, we're never going to have a feeling of peace. That's what we're talking about here, or joy on the inside. You might have some fun, but I've learned that having fun and having peace are two different things. And I would much rather have peace in my soul. So we're not called to this sorrowful blue life of no joy. Life can be fun, but chase after the things of God. Fix your eyes on his promise, and in that you will find both 
a peace in your soul and outside of your soul. This part of the sermon is quickly turning from courage to peace, but let's rest here for one more minute. Deborah brought about peace in her soul and to this war-ravaged land, this Israel, which was constantly at war for 40 years by following God's plans and his ways. And that for her included courageous actions and courageous thoughts, and that includes courageous actions and thoughts for us too. Well, number five is where we'll conclude. Courage comes when we are completely full of Christ's love. So eyes on his promise. The promise is made by one who's never broken a promise. And by, by being filled with his love. And now this is a little bit tricky. Our text here is from 1 John. You might be familiar. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. That always confused me. If I love people perfect, I won't be afraid of anything? I don't even understand how those line up. And we have to digest and understand what the text says. It says perfect love. And I don't have perfect love for anybody. That perfect love must be coming from God. When God's perfect love fills me up, it drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And I know that God loves me so much that he took the punishment for me. I don't have to face an eternal punishment because of the wretchedness that I am. I'm free to live out courageously a gracious life that he has given me. So no longer am I afraid of eternal punishment. I'm not even afraid of things that will happen to me in this life because that is just surface stuff. Now, it's easy to say it's surfacey stuff from up here. The guy that's not going through cancer or the loss of a loved one or loss of a job. or Yeah, but even those things in the realm of all eternity are things that we will endure and survive, even if they take our earthly life to live forever with God. So how does this story with Deborah and Barak and Sisera end? Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day the Lord has given you, uh, has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down to Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. At Barak's advance, look, the Lord routed Sisera. It was God who did it, and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Herosheth Hagayim, and all of Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. Story doesn't end there, but you've got to read it for yourself. It's not long. It'll take you five minutes. I have to say this. Read it with the whole family. I know it's a weird thing to read on Mother's Day afternoon. Let's read about the defeat of the Canaanites. But if you've got a 14-year-old boy or someone in that range, read it. It's awesome. Your young man and your family will go, this is the coolest thing in the Bible. I, I'm not kidding you. And you'll be surprised too. It's really awesome. So that is our first of the next steps for us today as we wrap up. Read the story of Deborah in Judges 4. And even for those of you who aren't 14-year-old boys, you'll go, this is awesome. Number two, allow courage to grow in you as you look towards God deliver. We, we don't generate courage from within ourselves. We look at God's promise. The promise is made by someone who's never broken a promise. And number three, understand that God's perfect love for you drives out fear. Let that for perfect love and that understanding that your punishment has been taken care of. Jesus was punished for you already. We're free and clear to live courageously on the earth as God has called us to live. Let's pray. God of deliverance, when our eyes are firmly set on you and your provision, there is no fear because we are assured you promised that the path you're making for us is good. 
and righteous. And even though it might be difficult and cost us, you are with us. But when the enemy grabs a hold of our hearts, we are fearful and weak. Father, help me to fix my eyes on you and your perfect love that drives out fear. And help us to be so satisfied with Jesus that he is our only treasure. We pray it in Jesus' name, whose name we celebrate today and every day. And together we all say, amen.